Hello everyone, I'm Jamie Bricker, and welcome to Matters of Principle. This twice-monthly series continues to help support school principals in various aspects of this very exciting, and yet as we always say, very challenging role in education. Now I'm a retired school principal, as is my co-host Jack Barkley. A big welcome, Jack, and I'm really looking forward to today's discussion on some more of the key issues for school administrators. Well, thanks, Jamie, and, and welcome, everyone. Uh, great to be back for another podcast, and and looking forward to uh, exploring these issues today and looking at conflict uh, a little bit more deeply. Uh, last podcast, you know, we addressed some key overall strategies and suggestions for addressing conflict. Uh, we talked about the mindset strategy and plan and and even some of the pitfalls for administrators to avoid and i think jamie we both agree that no matter the school and no matter the principal some conflict is always going to be a fact of life absolutely yeah and 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 it's a reality i think too that that leaders need to always deal with and as we'll discuss the key really is how conflict is dealt with Um, we know, and, and again, we, we touch on the pandemic from time to time here, that it simply heightened everyone's stress levels. And I think when you think of your staff, when you think of parents <clears throat> and stakeholders, two things it's really done, Jamie, is it's created uncertainty, especially with the back and forth with, with school and home, and that, a sense of a loss of control for families and, and even staff to a degree. And this, this can trigger and heighten levels of uh, anxiety and conflict. Oh, very understandably. And let's face it, Jack, everything that happens at a school ultimately centers around students as of course it should that's why the schools are there in the first place so with or without a pandemic students are typically uh, at the center of the vast majority of school-based conflict and student issues once again very understandably they, they trigger parental involvement now this involvement can certainly lead to varying degrees of conflict between parent and principal and, you know, Jamie, another that's another source of potential conflict for school administrators centers around those interactions with with people, with staff and uh, and and administration. So today in, in the second part of our two part podcast series on principles addressing conflict, we're going to look a bit more specifically at conflict first between parents and principal, as well as between staff and principal. All right. So let's begin looking at. The, any potential conflicts between parents and the principal. Now, as we've said numerous times throughout our series, Jack, surprises are a bad start. Nobody likes surprises, and that absolutely includes uh, parents, quite understandably. So that is why we've talked many times. It's important for schools, teachers, principals, different adults in the building to reach out to parents from time to time throughout the school year and those kind of you know, well-named sunshine calls or whatever, they gradually start to build a connection and they build that trust. That's right, Jimmy. And, and you know, if I'm hearing you right, you know, like it, it, it those surprises are going to erode that trust. And, and I know, you know, we want that contact to be uh, careful and considerate, but timely as I'm hearing. And, and, and we think of, you know, who, who makes that contact at a school? Well, it can, it can be the office administrator the, or the school secretary, uh, homeroom teacher deals closely with the children, potentially other staff that might have been involved, uh, and and then really the, the principal or the, or, or the vice principal if there is one there. But I think we both agree um, 
it certainly depends on situations, but when the principal's that first contact, it certainly ups the ante, as we say, or it, it, it might even bring out that anxiety. You know, why is the top person in the school calling? Absolutely. It ups the ante. And in some cases, of course, the ante should be upped. But one thing for sure, too, is if the first contact the parent has had with the school, with any adult in the school, is over a, a concerning issue, especially a very significant issue, then obviously things just start off on the wrong foot. Right. And as you say, there are instances when the principal or the administrator is going to make that first initial contact. Another thing too, Jamie, is um, you've touched with me on this about, I, I remember some of our earlier conversations when we were in the role that you would talk, we'd talk about that initial contact over an incident and that there just can't be those big time gaps in the situation between the incident and between when you call the parent, especially in situations where safety is involved or somebody might be hurt. Well, I learned that the hard way, Jack. Early on in my admin career, you'd have one of those really busy days and, you know, several significant issues arose. But early in the day, say at morning recess, some child had slipped and maybe scraped their knee. And that was kind of the, you know, kind of the extent of it and of a relatively minor issue and taken care of and quote, everything's fine. But later on that day, I, I followed up with the parent just to, you know, let them know what had happened and just to ensure so-and-so was fine. And that's all well and good. But the problem was by the time I contacted the parent, it was four or five hours after the actual incident. So that's certainly not ideal. And I think it's important, too, that that initial contact, you do not have to be full of all information. I think some administrators, and once again, guilty as charged, we wait like, oh, well, I don't want to call because I don't have all the facts. No, 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 we got to make that initial contact and we're just stating observations. So we're telling the parent this has occurred and depending on the issue, we can discuss things, but the parent needs to know that I will get back to them in a timely manner throughout the day as more information you know, comes to light and I get some more kind of facts about the whole thing. But waiting and waiting for that initial call, to make that initial call is a big mistake, as you mentioned, Jack, because that time gap, you can never make it up. Uh, by the same token, don't fall into the trap of trying to uh, convey that you're aware of all these facts that you're not. If, you know what I mean? Do you agree? Like, there's kind of that fine line. Absolutely, Jamie. I think that those are, again, as you say, traps that you can fall into. And when, you're, when we're talking about time gaps, too, I also think, uh, as importantly too, depending on when a situation happens, and you talk about the busyness of a day that you can get into, because uh, let's admit it, you're pulled in many different directions, the end of the day can be a key as well. I always liked to try, uh, certainly try as best I could when I left the building, who did I have to contact by the end of the day and not leave it overnight or even to a bigger degree over a weekend with somebody. You know, you always tried to make that contact. Uh, it, it, what and, and now let's talk a little bit about when you're when you're making when you're having the discussion and I think we we talk about that uh, administrator that principal being the calm and caring and competent person in how they deliver a message you're not rushing through things you're you're trying to answer the questions as best as you can in showing compassion but again the same thing you're you're not you're not trying to show that you're afraid of a situation or or the the, the family either. No, you're right. And I think I go back to a famous uh, advertising jingle from, oh, I hate to admit, 50 years ago. 
Remember, a deodorant company talked about, quote, never let them see a sweat. Well, I think it very much applies to these situations. And once again, we're compassionate, no doubt about it. But we're not automatically on the defensive. And I think that there, again, that's that's the fine line. And we are in very different times. We understand that. The pandemic, unfortunately, has a huge impact on education as we're speaking, as it has for two years. But I think you'd agree, Jack, that what we have discussed and will discuss over the next few minutes really apply equally, whether we're connecting by phone call, some form of Zoom, or in fact, in person. Right, Jamie. And, and you know, I'm, I'm, when I'm listening to you here, I, I'm saying that the principle in these situations sets the tone. And, and let's face it, there are routine practices uh, that principals can take uh, or steps that administrators can take to help minimize future conflict. And your stakeholder, uh, you know, in, in many cases, parents, as we say, are going to learn to depend on you based on how you've dealt with that most recent or present situation. So uh, again, you want to instill that confidence in the family that you you can handle that situation or work through that situation. Now, Jamie, we've also talked to, you know, about appropriate consequences and different types of conflict that come out. And, and we alluded last week uh, or two weeks ago, sorry, that, that, you know, children and students are at the heart of this. They're the interests uh, that the parents have, certainly in your building. And let's face it, one of the, the key ones that can come up is, is around the, the whole idea of bullying. Let's face it, it's in the news, it's front and center in people's mind. And you know, you can get in that piece where is, is it bullying or is it general conflict? And I think, again, being proactive with families and with the kids in working through this is you make that determination in your mind. Is it one or the other? And and we really want to define that whole idea of bullying as, you know, is it is it really taunting again versus teasing? Is there a power imbalance there in, in the age of the kids, grade? own size and even numbers of the kids and so on and is it something that's happening repetitively over time you know and and so then i think you you work within we've talked about framework and we've talked about uh, something we talk about norms that we can fall back on when working through conflict with families and we we look at our progressive discipline model and our school code of conduct and what is that where have we been have we been dealing with these children in previous instances so there's a lot of pieces that go into how you resolve that conflict. Well, then I think you'd agree, Jack. That Well, I know you'd agree, because we've had many conversations on this over the years. But learning how to deal productively with, frankly, everyday conflict, those are life skills that educators and parents alike need to teach our kids and embrace those moments. And as you say, bullying occurs, what, 3%, 5% of the time, Versus 95% of the time, it's just general conflict. So it's unfair to kind of, we all get impassioned because it's our kid. We, we totally get that. Like as a parent, like it's our child. But as you say, we, we just have to avoid that trap of immediately defaulting to bullying, where if it is very serious, we will absolutely address it. But on the other hand, it rarely is. And conflict, of course, we also are very much committed to addressing. But I think we have to make that distinction. That's right, Jamie. And I'm glad you raised that, that point with this. You know, like the other piece, too, that is is such a big part, and we both, uh, you know, been students of this in the principal role, uh, shall I say, is, is the whole idea of restoring a situation. Uh, you know, whether it's bringing a child back into the school after being away for a consequence or a suspension, uh, whether it's bringing 
you know, two or three kids together who have been involved in conflict uh, or two parties. We're trying to restore that situation. And that doesn't mean there's no consequences. It means that, you know, we get one party to understand how the other's affected. We get to, to hear, give both of them voice. And, and the hope is, like you say, we're preparing them for life and teaching them to come away from a situation as a learning experience. Excellent point. I mean, let's face it. We can't just consequence someone and then immediately plop them back into the situation they left and expect things to go along just hunky-dory. Right, right. So that restorative piece is huge. And I think in general, so much has to do with uh, teachable moments. Now, whenever we've had an issue, we've had a conflict, we're looking for a resolution, we're working through it. But once again, our kids need to really kind of recognize that these are, are learning moments and teachable moments. And it's all about logical consequences. And uh, and the fact that it isn't just kind of throwing the book at someone. Right, right. It's not just some punitive thing. There's actually a plan. And, oh, geez, another huge one is, um, and I think educators do a very good job of this in the vast majority of cases. But when there is an issue, even a significant issue, when it's over, there are no grudges. And the students involved all truly have a, a fresh start. However, as you mentioned earlier, there is progressive discipline. So it, it's a fresh start, but it doesn't mean everything's been like forgotten, if you know what I mean, that kind of difference. Exactly. Exactly. And I also think, Jack, it's important to stress that another big issue that I think every principal hears numerous times throughout the year, especially I think it's more and more likely the bigger the issue, is when parents are involved in a meeting or discussion and they they inevitably ask, quote, well, what did the other kid get? And we get the motivation behind that. But once again, want to reiterate, and it's not the first time I know we've mentioned this, but reiterate parents, when you're at school or on the phone or in the Zoom session, you're there to discuss only your child and your child's potential involvement and potential consequences of your child. Right, right. I think we've discussed, you know, depending on the situation too, you, can, you might say I was able to consequence, I consequence the student. Uh, or even if it's serious enough, depending on the issue that that they have received uh, a suspension, but you don't get into duration, you don't get into numbers and, and pieces like that, uh, that for for sure. The other thing I think of too is, I think sometimes, uh, you know, you can fall into that trap of, I want to move this along quickly, I want to placate the parent or the family. And, and that might lead you to trying to offer a guarantee or agreeing to something in a meeting that, that you know, you really can't guarantee moving forward. So whether it be promising that you can do something as a principal or the school can be something, you have to keep in mind, what are the parameters that I'm able to work on here? Because you don't want to be pulling something back that, that you've put on the table down the road. And another biggie is is, is always the idea that, Probable parental reaction to a decision the principal makes, frankly, it can never dictate the decision the principal's ultimately going to make. And I, I think of different variables, Jack, like a, a family's relative affluence or the overall aggressiveness of a parents' personalities or voice, or I guess in a kind of a more extreme case, uh, you know, threats of any sort or threats that someone's going to call the uh, the board office or whatever the case may be. We have to have an established fair process 
We have to have decisions that are driven both by compassion and logic and all the other things we've outlined. But ultimately, you cannot have, as a principle, you can never have potential parental reaction influence or dictate what you need to do and, and what is right. It cannot impact your decision. Absolutely, Jamie. Absolutely. And, and you know, it, 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 just, it just makes me think that conflicts with parents and students can certainly be demanding and very challenging and time-consuming. But it's time well invested, as you say, and, and your decisions are key. Um, but, you know, as we move forward with this, addressing staff-related conflict is just as, it's another side to the, the, the work that we do in conflict, really, with this. It's just as, or as important for any impactful principle. You know, parents and students will certainly be at the core of some staff principal disconnects, but sometimes you, you know, they're just not going to, when I say there, I mean staff are just not going to necessarily like the decision that you make. And I go back to what we've said is, you and I have often talked about, we might say to ourselves, well, we had a good day because conflict didn't come up with staff or with parents, etc. But that's not really the measure of how well the day went. It's how did you deal with it? Or how have you set yourself up for pieces down the road? So now that we turn to, to staff principal conflict, I think a key piece here as we as we get into this is you want to handle any conflict you deal with with staff with discretion. Because the vast majority of staff are going to remain with you for the duration of your time at the school. And you want to focus, as we say, on building bridges rather than simply burning down the existing one. No question, Jack. Discretion is huge, as is support. And it's so important for principals to always be supportive of staff, frankly, during any meetings, uh, you know, with parents and students. I mean, no staff member wants to feel they've been, quote, thrown under the bus and that type of thing. So, uh, you know, as much as you, can, you possibly can support them during the meeting, and then if there are any kind of real kind of red flag concerns you have as principal, th those are things we can address and clarify uh, afterwards in a, in a private kind of follow-up uh, with that given staff member. Uh, and or uh, sometimes it's, it's uh, very worthwhile to kind of let things kind of calm down and settle overnight. And then before school the next day, I'd, I'd pop by their room and we would kind of uh, clarify things. And just to make sure, once again, we were had kind of a, a common uh, vision moving forward and also just kind of confirming where all the parental concerns raised. And that may very well trigger a follow-up phone call either from the teacher or the principal uh, to that parent that day to kind of you know bring things to a close. Because as we've said many times, Jack, the bottom line is these meetings need to kind of end with a productive, meaningful plan. And sometimes it takes two or three days for that plan to really come to start coming to fruition. So there may be some you know follow-up calls or whatever, but I, I'd like to kind of touch base with the, the teacher after the meeting first and then see kind of where, you know, where we're going. Right. And I think, Jamie, I think that kind of openness or that opportunity that you provide staff, as you, as you so well described, you know, uh, it, it helps build that bridge. It helps support them. And there may be things, let's face it, when we sleep on it 24 hours the next day that we've thought of in that discussion that would be really, really helpful and so on. But I think staff are certainly going to appreciate that. Now, along those same lines of, of being fair to your staff. So you and I have often talked about deadlines and standards and expectations for staff. And 
I think you want to be really careful. You know, your staff as a whole is going to appreciate the fact that the bar is the same for everybody. If you've got a given deadline, as an example, if you've got a given expectation, uh, that that's that's going to be held in place for everyone on staff. I mean, let's face it. If somebody, if there's extenuating circumstances or, or issues, you're you're going to be understanding. But by and large, your staff will notice, and it'll reduce that frustration level and that conflict if you treat everybody the same way. Now, Jamie, we've also talked about the domain of staff within the building and being respectful of that. And and I know we are both administrators that talked about the staff room being that private domain of the staff. We all know that it changes a little bit when you walk into the room uh, and and so on as a school leader, you know, and, and you just want to give them that space or that time. And again, especially now when they, when want, they want to talk to each other about a given situation. But there are other ways, as we say, to keep your ear to the ground. Being visible, you know, with your staff and having conversations one-on-one and always listening can, can still help you not miss things, but you still respect their space. Oh, well said. I think that kind of balance of being informed and respectful uh, simultaneously, that, that's, just, that's just huge. That's a real foundational piece for any uh, really successful administrator. And let's face it, Jack, I, I look back and kind of say staff dissatisfaction with administration kind of in general. I think it's fair to say it's, it's typically based really in some, some really key important categories, which I think it's, an, it's really incumbent upon us to now briefly address. And we all know a huge one is when a staff member feels a lack of support. And frankly, in many cases, that is, it really shows a lack of courage uh, by the administrator. And, and, and that can really be kind of in making that uh, difficult decision or from a staff member's lens, it's typically for quote unquote, not standing up to a parental concern or not standing up to a, a very uh, strongly opinionated uh, parental opinion, things of that nature. Then you get into the whole visibility piece we've talked a lot about over the past few months, because of course it manifests itself in a litany of ways around a school. And that, of course, is really seen as a lack of presence. If you're seen as someone who's barricaded in your office all day and, uh, you know, we don't see you on the yard or the halls or the classrooms, that, like, the school really suffers. It's kind of like, you know, where is this leader? Like, who, who, who is in charge? And another biggie is that consistency piece. And we've always talked about the, the office itself should be kind of the calmest, most consistent uh, place in the whole school, where the staff have to know that the principal is going to basically have the same outward demeanor every day. And we're all human, and we realize in principals in your personal lives, you may have a whole lot of variables in play, or you're just feeling particularly lousy that day or whatever, but we have a real obligation, particularly as a school leader, that we are dealing with people in a really predictable manner. They know when they come to the office or in the hallway or on the yard, they're going to speak to Jamie for a few minutes about an issue. They know ahead of time how I'm going to receive them. And it's the same basically every day. I just found that huge. Yeah, these are great examples, Jamie. Like I I look at this and I I say, you know, when I was a teacher, I looked for this in, in my school administrator as well. And as we've said before, you know, word gets around uh, within your staff and even outside your building as to how you are with these pieces. 
some of the other ones too that that I I think of is you know staff want we you talked about predictability they they don't want a steady stream of surprises um, and as we know we're you know from from central office we're inundated with a lot that we bring back to our staff but we want to we want to be you know we want to try to shield them from the things that they don't need to uh, you know, worry about and and help work through those main initiatives with them. So, uh, to me, that's that's that competent piece for the principal is that you've got to pick your uh, inch, shall we say, and that you, what you're going to work on with your staff, you know, this week, this month, and move from there. Um, another one is is that frustrates staff. I think is is where you're seen as playing favorites or. Uh, you know, giving uh, more attention to other, uh, to some than others, uh, or not being, in another way, not being equitable or fair in things. And I mean, that, that's just, you know, you, I think if you have that one in the back of your mind each day, you're, you're certainly going to approach things on, on that basis. You know, you want to be, you want to be as fair and equitable with everybody as you can. And then we also talk about integrity. We've talked about this one in past podcasts, you know, that, that, you're going to make decisions in the best interest of kids and and the school, and again, you want to be consistent in that. And and we we've often talked about that moral compass that guides you in, in leadership, and and you need to have that uh, front and center. And the last one, Jack, as far as you know, kind of biggies. We started with this list with support, which is huge, but I think even bigger is lack of communication. Right, right. And I look back to days when I was teaching, and it really is extremely frustrating and, frankly, some days infuriating when it just seemed like a steady stream of surprises. And things like the, the school plan seemed to change every three days, and I didn't know about a meeting until 10 minutes before the meeting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think particularly now in this just really kind of uh, you know, largely unpredictable pandemic-driven world the last couple of years, boy, oh boy, staff appreciate as much ongoing communication as possible. And I mean, they're, they're, like we're all dealing with a litany of surprises every day, it seems like. But administrators who really go out of their way to really limit the number and keep that steady communication, I think they're really golden in staff's eyes, no doubt about it. And I think it's also important, Jack, that we can't be naive, and we'd really be remiss if we didn't mention, of course, there are times when it's important for the principal to contact his or her superiors. Like, there absolutely are times, and I always kind of looked at it, I I would let them know if, if conflicts I felt really could potentially escalate, where we clearly had not come to the quote unquote finish line and things were really still percolating and I wasn't quite sure where things were ultimately going to go. I let people above me know. Also, when things had a certain kind of residue or they, they seemed to kind of be lingering and there wasn't that kind of closure that I had kind of been anticipating, I let people know and I wanted to keep them in the loop. And frankly, at times, I wanted to follow uh, their suggested advice, uh, no doubt about it. And as we mentioned earlier, Jack, there are certain kind of levels of of contact. If if parents have a concern that 90% of the time they start with the teacher and then that may lead to the administrator and so on, same type of thing here. The vast majority of contact with uh, board office I found was through email, just kind of an information item. Sometimes, however, 
a phone call was very much required. And sometimes it ultimately, uh, back in the day when we could meet in person, it it met it uh, led to an in-person uh, meeting with a superintendent or whatever the case may be. Uh, but that would be very rare. Um, I think also a good kind of rule of thumb is that I was kind of went by and I know some my my trusted mentors way back kind of drilled in me is basically the administrative officer would be your contact for a, a really a contentious student based issue, whereas the superintendent would be the person you would contact over a staff issue of significance. Right, Jamie, and, and I these all great points, and I, I I think the expectation is that the principal can resolve the vast majority of conflict within his or her school, whether involving any combination of students, parents, and staff, without assistance or input from others. But it's really important to have those go-tos, as you mentioned too, and and that uh, when do I go to this person for this and this person for something else. And I I, I remember, you know. As we were moving to the principal role, I can remember senior administration giving the the expectation, really, that this is why you have this job as principal, that, you know, we expect you to handle conflict and to prevent escalation and to problem solve. That's why you're in, in the role in your school. And, you know, you could, I agree completely with you that there are times when you consult and you have to show that you're listening to that. Uh, advice that's given back to you. But by and large, you you want to be able to say, you know, here's my plan. This is what I'm thinking. You know, what do you think if, if you're asking that advice? Oh, absolutely. As well, no, Jack, and the overwhelming majority of uh, conflict-based issues in any school, uh, head office, frankly, would never be aware of them. Right, right. They'd be resolved at the school level to everyone's satisfaction, and we'd, we'd move on. And I think it's also important to stress that the reality is that many situations uh, involving conflict, they, they cannot be either predicted or really prevented by, frankly, any, any school administrator. We don't have a crystal ball. And when we walk in on a Monday morning, you really don't know, uh, you know, with any great certainty how that day or, or uh, that week is going to kind of unfold. However, you quickly learn over time that we cannot predict we cannot always prevent, but principles, and I, I absolutely very much am convinced of this, Jack, principles are always, always in full control of their response to any given conflict. And I think that that's the key distinction. Well said, Jamie. Well said. Well, once again, Happy New Year, everyone. And thanks, as always, for joining us today. And a reminder that if you have any questions or comments, please email us at affectiveleadership at gmail.com. And we encourage our listeners to share our podcast with other school leaders and a reminder to follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And we look forward to connecting with you again in two weeks on Matters of Principles.